Welcome to the Needle Jig Podcast, Season 1, Episode 12, Billy Spacey Lions Part 2. I'm Mark Lascarbo and I own Needle Jig. You can catch me recording videos on YouTube and now you're going to be getting that audio here on Wednesday mornings. Enjoy it. We put this show together for tattooers, apprentices, and any serious tattoo enthusiasts that want to listen, but please remember you cannot learn how to tattoo by people like me online. If you want to take it seriously, get yourself an apprenticeship. Okay guys, on this next episode, Billy Spacey Lions is going to serenade us, so be prepared. Big shout out to all the Needle Jig customers that make this possible. Want to thank you all for listening and watching and enjoy your day. Don't forget to take a minute to leave your comments on the podcast review. And if you want to get in touch with us for any other reason, contact us at cs at needlejig.com. Now let's talk tattoo with Billy Spacey Lions. skinny kid growing up when I, I got into boxing I boxed for about 10 years I know it's another thing but um, you know staying healthy has been a very important thing to me so uh, you know I, I I took up boxing and um, I got bigger and all that but uh, and I got more aggressive with people and I and there was a time there was a time where I had to do a lot of that sort of thing but uh, growing growing up in uh, I have thrown a lot of people out. I mean, I've been in business 27 years. It's going to happen, you know. But I remember growing up and working at Rampart down there. Jackie always had a had a door guy or somebody that was like that, you know. Things have changed, though. People are, are more easy to get along with, you know. I think that uh, – I think, like I said, for – I think the tattooing has gone in a great direction. I – I love all the new gadgets. I love all the, the ease of of uh, the equipment that we have now. And um, I grew up in the time where you built everything that you work with uh, or maintained it. And, uh, That's how I started the business was the stuff I was buying from others generally needed upgrades. I mean, it was mediocre right. at best and I had to refine it and I had to redesign it or sometimes make it from scratch. I mean, uh, What's your what's your consensus on the, the 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 coils versus the rotary thing, man? How do you how do you feel about that? Give us your give us your straight opinion, man. Well, they're our heritage, and I uh, I fortunately got to be around people that that knew uh, uh, Paul Rogers and uh, and worked with him. Jackie was one of his uh, lady friends. You know, uh, he liked uh, he had a lot of ladies, you know, lady friends that. You know, he's an older guy. You know how he was. But uh, he liked the company of younger ladies and all. How about that? But anyway, um, you know, I got – so I've, I've had some of this equipment in my hands at times. I've had some coals. I've had some A-bars and stuff like that. And holding that piece of history, man, really, I could feel it in it. You know, it was like, wow, I've got this used-up armature bar that has Paul Rogers stamped on the side of it. And I got to use it on a couple of machines and uh, – Mickey Nichols, he was he had he had a bunch of Paul Rogers stuff because he, he learned how to build machines with him. So uh, I love the, the contraption. I mean, from the time I heard that ticking that uh, that of the machine, uh, man, I was just hooked on it, man. I I ran the shit out of it, man. I, I ate up a bunch of coals, man, and just using them, uh, running them too hard and all. I love I love every bit of it. My hands never 
wore out. I've never had any wrist problems or anything. Um, Knock on wood, brother. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, the, and I think it's because I've played guitar so much in my life. I, I, I know how to use my hands to keep them from, uh, from hurting them, you know? But I, but I remember when Coles came out. I mean, I remember when uh, Rotors came out. And we were like, man, that's junk. You know, I remember when somebody come in shop, Jackie, like, see him with that. She's like, you get that piece of shit out of here. You're going to tattoo people with a real machine or you're not working here, you know? Because they didn't do – they weren't worth a shit back then. They were a step above uh, jailhouse stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, I like new things. I like new gadgets. You know, obviously, I've, I've got a new uh, recording studio here in my house, and I've got tons of gadgets all over the place. And uh, so, I like the ideas of it. But I never could – just because that trying out the the cold, I mean the rotaries before, I was like, man, there's no power in them. I, when I do a line, I do a line. I don't do a line, you know, stuttering through it. I want to put that needle in, in the proper uh, depth, and I want to make my line. You know, I'm painting. You know, what I'm saying on people. You know, you don't want your paint to run out in the middle of a, a line. There, you'll see it. You know, and you you know. So the same thing with tattoos. When I my machine's got to work, so I I made my coals work like that. I made my coal machines work like that. Um, my shaders shaded beautifully, and they worked at my speed because I work fast. I'm, I have more of a fast pace that I work at. So uh, I just I waited and watched, you know, uh, and I stayed loyal to the coil, which is a cool ass T-shirt, by the way. Um, I stayed loyal to the coal and uh, kept. I knew that I could use the sharpest needles, uh, the best made needles. And that's when I got turned on you. And I'm, I've been with a needle jig all these years. Um, I knew if I use these great products and then I, and I kept my machines tuned properly and uh, I was on all the time. You know, it took a lot of work to do that. You know that. It takes a whole hell of a lot of work to, if you're working 10 hours a day, with these coal machines to keep these coal machines running perfect every damn day. Yeah. You so, much uh, needed a tune up every morning. Yeah, man, I tuned them up throughout the day, you know, at times, you know, and then I'm rebuilding one and I've got, you know, 150 machines, you know, and, and you know, to choose from, but I only use three, you know, but, um, I think it was how long now has been, I've been using cartridges. I've been, I switched to them, I think about two years ago. I can't that was who, a big deal for you, man. <laughs> it was a big deal. You know, I was like, uh, <laughs> I was calling y'all every, every, every minute seemed like during a day, man. I was like feeling like, oh man, these guys think I'm, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I can't remember who was, who was uh, answering the phone back then. It was about two years ago, but man, he was always patient with me. And he, you know, he, I, I didn't know what I should get. I didn't know if I should try the pen thing, which didn't feel right. I, I used a friend of mine's and it, it just didn't feel right. I had to have that, that angle, you know, <laughs> the back weight. Yeah. I had to have that back weight. And, uh, so, uh, I was going to go with the axis pin and they didn't have any. And then the one they had was in a color. I just could not look at every day. So <laughs> I waited a little longer and then, he, then they turned me on to the, the one, you know, I don't know what's, which model it's called. The one I use it's, uh, you know, it's got, it's got the back weight on it. It's an axis. Um, the Fehu or the uh, their the direct drive? Direct drive, that one. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, that thing is a mini weed eater, man. That thing I, sounds, especially when I use it, it sounds like I'm cut, I'm not you know trimming the grass, man. But 
Well, that motor uh, has a lot of torque. It's a strong. It's got a lot of torque, and if you're working, if you're working like I'm talking about, you need it, man. If you want to put a line in there the first time, especially if you're doing uh, uh, bigger lines, you know, you, you got to have that torque behind it, and that thing works great. I don't need nothing else, man. I'll, I'll, I don't see that thing ever burning out. If it does, I'm buying another one. Well, the and the and the torque on that also allows you to run it super super slow. So a lot of guys use that to get that sort of like real peppery whip shading, or or a lot of guys even use that. They slow it right down and do that stipple, like that the real popular stipple geometric stuff these days. Uh, oh. It's it's a pretty universal machine. It does an awful lot of things. Yeah, I love all that. I love all that work. You know, I, I really do. I, uh, that machine is probably the most versatile thing I can think of, and I. I, I, I see the pins. I think they're all cool, but I don't think nothing, in my opinion, would probably, unless it's the same style direct drive thing, I don't think anything will uh, come close to that thing, man. I, I'll bet the farm on that thing so I can't bet the farm anymore, you know? Hey, let's talk about some of that geometrical stuff. I think that shit's amazing, man. What's um, that? Geometrical tattooing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, what's a little bit weird is like when I was a kid, I used to draw with a ruler, like, like, like everything. I used to draw so much geometrical, uh, bizarre stuff, use compasses and rulers and uh, French curves and, and all kinds of crazy things. When I would draw as a kid, I was never really a freestyle type of an artist. Uh, right. But there was there was there was nothing in the world to do with that artistically or whatever. And then I, you know, through my whole tattoo career, I did mostly, I won't say traditional, traditional, neo-traditional, some uh, oh. uh, black and gray stuff like this, but uh, about the time where I tattoo a whole lot less or hardly at all anymore now, now something comes out that I truly could probably be super passionate about, man. And this, that's right. the hot trendy thing now. So it's just like, man, bad timing on my part. You know what? It's funny. It's funny that these these uh, designs, these patterns, really kind of mimic what uh, my my native heritage, uh, the way we tattooed ourselves um, throughout the North American continent. And uh, actually, uh, I'm a Cherokee, but I'm also on my dad's side. We have Iroquois in us. And uh, if you go back and look at our designs, our bodies have patterns. The whole body has patterns. It's not random tattoos on us necessarily. We have a pattern uniform look that's unique to each person and that's what these remind me of you know especially uh, you know when, when i see a lot of people from uh, europe i think i think i started seeing it in europe first but you know now it's sweeping the nation it's sweeping the world but and the, these patterns the, uh, that we have they were they had a lot of meanings to them so you know but, uh, but I think people now need more decorating their bodies with them. I think they're amazing. I, and, and it's helped me do something that, I, that I'm doing that you may be interested in doing. So, you, you know, you have some projects in tattooing going on. It's, yes, if that's your thing, but then, you know, maybe you want to do a, uh, maybe five or six subjects in, in the patterns that you work out with them yourself, Mark. Well, I'm doing that right now with uh, – uh, Native American, uh, I'm doing Native American subjects, friends of mine that are, uh, what I'm doing is I'm going back, way back, you know, thousand years or taking designs and I'm uh, doing their whole bodies that way. Um, right now, now, in, the, in, the, in the traditional art form, or are you taking that, that older art and trying to use contemporary methods to modernize it? Which, which way are you headed with that? Well, I've, I've actually done uh, hammer tattooing and it's just 
let me, you know, it's just not the way to do it. You know, time and all that. And uh, it's just not the way to do it. And accuracy, we want to look the best, right? So we're going to use the best methods that we can. So I'm going to use modern methods to do these ancient tattoos. But it's just like this. Back then, if they could have access to what we have now, what do you think they'd be using? They'd be using what we're using now. So I go with that that mod, that way of thinking. And I, uh, you know, we have little modern times, we have jobs, we have all that. So using the best things and the safest things, that's, that's my choice there. But I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be, uh, I would be interested in doing, uh, doing them to show people, you know, how they were done and how they, you know, back then in like a, I don't know, a setting, like in a show or something like that, that would be something I'd be interested in. But but doing these subjects like this, I'm doing it with the uh, modern methods. Well, maybe if we get back to tattoo conventions anytime, uh, uh, we can set that up, man. Maybe bring you in and uh, and set up a booth next to the needle jig booth oh, and, uh, and 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 do some sort of a presentation or something, something a little more cultural and uh, involving the history of tattooing. That would be. I love to do that. I can bring people with me, and uh, I have. I have uh, one of my friends, uh, he's up in Oklahoma. Uh, his name's Ace Greenwood. And, uh, we play stickball together. It's, uh, uh, we're stickball players. It's, uh, uh, the oldest American sport is a lacrosse game called stickball, or we call it kombucha tolly. But, uh, but anyway, he, he's, uh, that's actually what he does in, uh, for the Chickasaw um, uh, people in Oklahoma. He actually travels around teaching people about these things and, uh, He's one of my friends that uh, has helped me do research into the mound building culture, which is America's first civilization. Uh, you know, uh, and I don't want to get too far in that because we'll be talking that for an hour. <laughs> but uh, you know, North America, you know, America was uh, was a huge civilization before Europe, Europe actually came here, and um, it was a mound culture, and and it was also. Uh, connected to uh, Mayans and Aztec people and uh, the pyramid culture, you know? So that's the, that's my focus is that time period and uh, the tattoos that I am doing. And you can uh, follow me on Facebook, uh, Billy Spacey Lions, or you can follow me on uh, Instagram and you can actually see some of this work happening now because I'm actually doing uh, several subjects um, currently. I'll try to remember to add those links into the description of this right. video later. I'll tell you what, uh, let's, let's uh, switch from here and on. I'll tell you about <laughs> uh, these movie things. So we've, we've, done, we've done the TV thing. We've done the motorcycle thing. We've done. Yeah, uh, yeah, because, I mean, as long as I've known you, you've had a, a, a baby smooth face here, and now you've got this uh, growth going on. So tell us a story behind that. All right, so I'm not a big facial hair guy, and I've never been able to properly grow a beard until I got older in life. So, um I'm, I've somehow I've wandered into acting uh, in the past year or so. And uh, I did the TV show thing and I've done some acting when I was younger. Um, my, my two brothers, uh, Bob Henry and Earl Henry, they were uh, actors in The Last of Mohegans back in the 90s. They were uh, my brother Earl, he was uh, stand in for uh, the lead actor. Um, and uh Gus Cook, I think that was him, or Uncas. I can't remember. <laughs> it's been a while. Last week, this was an awesome movie. But um, Eric Schweig is a 
is a good friend of ours, and he was the lead actor in the movie. And um, Earl and him became close, and so the movie thing started happening between our, us and our family. They were in a couple documentaries after that. And then uh, I got a part in a movie called Gun and Betty Lou's Handbag, and uh, and then I thought about acting, and they wanted me to keep trying out for parts, but. You know, I lived in uh, on a reservation in rural Mississippi, so it was kind of hard to probably do that without financial or them taking me in or leaving. And I didn't want to leave the reservation. I want exactly where I wanted to be. So I did. I let. I, I got away from it, and I focused mainly on music because that was my my thing was, you know, playing music. And uh, I was in a band called Sneaky Tree. I'm still in that band. I'm actually recording a record right now, and I just did a soundtrack for a movie that that I was uh, had the lead role in uh the movie's called uh john nieto american spirit walk and uh it it's a movie documentary it's coming out on netflix uh, hopefully in january we just finished soundtrack and because of covid you know having studio time uh, i needed to be in a larger studio to do the mixing and stuff than my my home studio can allow um that we were supposed to be out now, the movie's supposed to be out now, but we're slated for January. But the movie's about a man named John Nieto, and John Nieto is one of the, one of the greatest painters of our time. And if you want to look us up on Facebook, uh, American Spirit Walk, John Nieto, American Spirit Walk, it'll tell a more about the movie. But it, it, it basically, I played John in the movie, and there's no speaking parts in it. That's the beauty of this. Uh, this movie, it's all visual and the story's uh, actually told by John himself and uh, there's interviews in there and uh, uh, John Nieto is a Native American painter. Uh, John Nieto, uh, he, he, we're not, we don't create as people, you know, we, we emulate creating because we can't, creating is taking something out of nothing and making something out of it that you can tangibly see or touch or whatever, but but uh, but we still like to use the word, and I'm gonna use that word because he did create a style of painting, and it's a southwestern painting that you've seen with the pastels, and uh, and it's like uh, if you look at them, they're, they're it's all color. It's not any really any dark outlines or anything. He paints all these Native American southwestern stuff. And uh, some of his paintings are, I mean, you see the painting behind me, it's a pretty big one. Um, I like painting big myself, but his paintings are huge. So a lot of them are. But uh, John was an amazing, man, painter. Uh, he developed a style. He went to, and he did it on his own. He, he found himself through taking a spirit walk. And uh, in a Native American uh, culture, when you take a spirit walk, it's you're finding yourself. You're finding who you are. And it's a pivotal time in your life where you you were this person who did not know who you were, and then all of a sudden you were that person you should be, you know, and you knew it, you knew how to be, you know. You, um, now, does that were, involve peyote or no? <laughs> well, actually, there's a those are different ceremonies that are um, peyote ceremonies that go along with the Native American church, um, and uh, I have never done a peyote ceremony, and I've never felt inclined to uh to do that um they go along with the uh, ceremonies lakotas they do like the sundance my brother actually goes and does a sundance I'm, i don't do sundance but i fully support it 
I am adopted into Lakota family. Uh, Mama Bear, Chris Wick, um, uh, they, they, they call me brother and son. Uh, they live in South Dakota. I go see them every year. Um, I think they're watching now. So hello, Mama Bear and Chris Wick. Um, yes, uh, some, some cultures use hallucinogenics, and uh, I think they're used probably more, uh, yeah, for a spiritual journey. But John didn't do that. John went to France, and uh, he, he uh, did independent studies at the Lou. And uh, he was over there, and these painting, and they, they, everybody dug his paintings. He's like, wow, you're amazing. What are you doing over here? He's like, well, I thought this is the place to be. He's like, you're from America. That's where we want to be. So he's like, I got to go back to America. So we went back to America and he, he took his grandmother or his mother. I'm not sure. Uh, watch the movie. <laughs> He'll tell that story. But uh, he, he didn't know what to paint. He knew that he had this pain, this paint. He needed to paint, but he didn't know what he should paint. So uh, he went to, uh, his, they're, they're muscular Apache. So he went to, uh, uh, dance and uh, traditional dance and uh, uh, some people call them powwows so I just call them uh, get togethers but uh, he had uh, his grandmother looked to him and said John why don't you paint my people you know will you paint my people and then right then I got chills just talking about it because I got to play this guy you know I got to play John Nieto and for me as an artist as a Native American artist that is just uh, that's like you know, man, I got chill bumps talking about it, man. I mean, just getting to play him was just a huge honor. I got to be in his studio and and paint with his paints on a canvas in his studio. Can you imagine, you know, uh, what what that was like for me, you know? No, that's deep, man. I mean, that's... I grew uh... up about him, you know, as a, as a young kid. I, I knew who John Nieto was, but all of a sudden I'm in his house painting on his, on his deal. And I've devoted, what, uh, 50 years of my life to being an artist and being, you know, it's, it's just a huge honor. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm playing him, you know. I got to, we shot the film about two weeks, two and a half weeks out in uh, different locations in uh, New Mexico. That's where he's from. So we, we wanted to show different uh, scenes where he's walking through and, and uh, you know, in character, I'm wearing all black. I'm wearing a cowboy hat. I'm wearing forty-year-old cowboy boots, and uh, and I'm doing these different dream sequences of John doing his spirit walk. And uh, I don't want to ruin the movie for you, but the, basically, the spirit walk is uh, John. John uh, went through a series of strokes, and when he was out, he's out for a long time. And uh, what we're doing, we're playing out what what John was doing in his mind. Um, he was on a spirit walk. And then when he came back, uh, John actually came out of that, out of that stroke and he uh, totally, it's like he was painting before, but his painting just transcended. And for his last years, he, he did some of uh, the most, I mean, just off the wall, uh, tremendous, beautiful work. Please uh, go check out John Nieto's uh, work after you see this. And you'll see what I'm saying. Now, I lived in Arizona for almost 15 years. And uh, I got to tell you, I did not know who John Nieto was. 
but uh, right now I'm looking at uh, nietofineart.com and I'm very familiar with his style of painting because it's everywhere. I'm not sure what I was seeing was from him directly, but he's obviously yeah. influenced a great deal of artists. He actually invented that style and it's copied by everybody. Everybody's got a grandma who's got a bathroom somewhere. It's got some pastel uh, Southwestern uh, art on their wall. Um, he invented that and he had a lot of people that were, uh, that were copying him. Uh, he had a, some rivals. He had a rival man that actually was, was trying to kill him and tried to kill him. And uh, so John had bodyguards, uh, you know, watching his back. That's how intense it was. See, in Native American culture, you know, we, we don't play, man. We get down, man. <laughs> you know? When the time comes, it's time to do something. Yeah, and you see how beautiful his artwork. He, before, uh, John didn't use black. In his early years, he didn't use black. He used all the colors to make black. But uh, he, used, he did it with color. And if you see, like, the foxes on there and all that, you know, you see it. It's all color, man. Mm -hmm. All color-based. But when he, uh, when he practically, uh, you know, lost himself and he was uh, had a stroke and he didn't know who he was or anything like that, when he came out of it and, and, and started painting again, he started using black. You know, uh, one one of the songs uh, that uh, that are, that Reggie uh, is my partner, who also is a filmmaker, uh, Reggie Thomas. Uh, he, uh, me and him wrote a song. Uh, called American Spirit Walk, and all these will be available um, when, when the movie comes out uh, for on a soundtrack. Um, and he talks about the color black. And, uh, but he did not rely on the color black. He relied on color to actually make his art. And then the black showed a bit through the color. You know, it, wasn't, it was not his, his whole attention there. Now, he has, a, he has a really strong command of color, uh, uh, amazing use of color and then you know uh complementary contrasting uh yeah it's uh his uh paintings invoke emotion you know the you i know what i feel when i look at him i'm assuming that's what he intended but uh, and, uh paintings. he did a lot of abstract stuff in, in his later time he, he had a he had this beautiful abstract abstract painting that was just about done it wasn't signed yet and that was a, and it was like, well, we can't sell it. It's not signed, you know. Uh, yet, you know, that's the thing about it. And he died before he could sign it. But he, those bow, those bow warriors, and all that, man. I, there's a video of him that I, I studied for a long time. That, uh, that I, uh, in the in the, in the movie and during that scene, I I was emulating him painting and watching him paint. Man, he just went to it, and just did it, man. He just knew everything. Everything was there. It was like he didn't study anything. He just had it. It was all in, you know? So that's the ultimate freehand, wouldn't you say? I'm, I'm sitting here. I mean, I, I, I'm loving talking to you because I always do. I'm, I'm sitting here in the back of my head, though. I'm almost wondering if there's anybody even out there still watching. Not that that really matters because uh, uh, I'm just, you know, enjoying a great talk with an old friend. Um, well, we've got uh, somebody from Brazil, somebody from New Mexico, but... Um... You know, yes. you do want to leave them uh, wanting more, right? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I, <laughs> I, it just dawned on me though that, like, oh, hey, we're live, and I'm just in this deep conversation, and 
I even forget that there might be other people out there trying to observe or, or get something out of this. It's, uh, no, it's that's okay. Uh, lot, most of the times when you podcast, man, we talk for about two and a half hours. Right? You know, and I'm like, man, who listens to a podcast for two and a half hours? But um, I got a phone call from a, a, a very fantastic human being. His name is Michael Lichter. And Michael Lichter is one of the most famous photographers in motorcycle dome ever. And he, he's, he's a world famous photographer. He called me up and uh, I, I did a show. I had my, my paintings and my artwork and I paint helmets. Uh, I had those in a, uh, one of the shows that Sturgis one year. So I've got to know Michael. And uh, But he called me up and he's like, man, I just listened, listened to this podcast interview with you on a friend of ours, Dan, Danger Dan. Uh, his podcast and man, I just I just loved it. I was like, he sat there and listened to that for two and a half hours. So I was like, wow, <laughs> okay, well, cool, thanks, man. But it was a great honor that that, uh, that he called me up. So yeah, these, these are necessary. I'm, I'm very excited for to be a part of this series and uh, get to share the things in my life. Um, to tell you to tell you the truth, what I would like for people to know about me is that uh, I you know even though I. I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth. I did have a lot of uh, great opportunities along the way till now of people that took interest in me. And there's countless of people that that's, there's a lot of people that's taken interest in me in my life that, that realized that I had um, the talent that I have, or I had something special to give and they, they helped me get here. And uh, if you have, if you have aspirations to do things in your life, why not do them? Why not try to do them? Even if you fail, I mean, you know, you got to fail to get better. You know, uh, if you want to play a guitar, we'll play guitar. If you're 35 and you want to play guitar, go buy a guitar and play a guitar. You know, if you want to uh, do anything that you aspire to do, you're the only one that's keeping you from doing it. And that's why I can do a bunch of things, man. It's not like you can't, you know, get out yeah. and do things. Down and, and finish things. That's the thing about it. If you well, start I, something, finish it. I, I absolutely agree with you, but at the same time, I I think that a lot of people just they they're lacking the ability to recognize opportunities. You know, like uh, we all encounter different opportunities on a on a regular basis throughout our life, and uh, taking taking that leap, or it doesn't even need to be a leap, just a step in that direction. Uh, right you never know where it's going to go. Just like our conversation today, you know, we just had a few things we wanted to talk about, but you know, I had no idea we we're going to be off on now, John Yetto. And it, it just let the world take you where it wants to take you, you know, and, and then try and be aware of your surroundings and make positive choices. But if you don't recognize the opportunities and take action on them, you're going to be in the same place, you know, a week from now, a yeah. month from now and a year from now. So yeah, turn that TV off too, man. You know what? <laughs> I know, I know back in the nineties, I never watched the TV at all. I, I caught a movie here and there, but, um, put, put mindless entertainment out of the way. Some, you know, don't, don't Netflix binge all the time or whatever the, whatever you're doing, you know, take time to actually go do something, you know, or put something into a painting or, or anything creative or anything. Um, but I haven't had cable TV in probably 13, 14 years. I mean, we have Netflix and whatever the couple other ones are, maybe Hulu or whatever, you know, and the wife and I will watch a show maybe four or five nights a week. We'll, we'll, we'll follow a certain episode 
maybe, like I said, maybe four or five nights a week and that's it. And uh, the rest of it is uh, reading, learning, trying to better myself. Uh, while I'm sitting here this morning waiting for this to start, I, I can't pull it up and show you, but I'm, 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 I'm deep diving into my IT nerd guy uh, trying to learn how to configure and set up an entire new phone system for the company here um, because it piques my interest and I want it done. I could pay somebody to do it, but uh, I need to know how it works. So I'm going down that rabbit hole myself. So I'll probably screw it up and need some professional help, but Hey, I got to try. Right. I'm with you. I like to know the processes. Well, going back to the beard thing, I've, uh, <laughs> After I did this movie, I started getting uh, other people, uh, you know, talking to me about doing movies, and then uh, I've got another one I'm reading for. I've got two I'm reading for uh, next year. Uh, one's called Scarpa, and uh, it, do you remember Mississippi Burning? That movie. Well, this is a movie that's similar to that. It talks about the same finding civil rights workers. So I'm, I'm playing a part in that movie, and I, although I like to play. Uh, roles of being Native American, I, I want to—I don't necessarily want to be typecast, so I want to do other parts. So uh, I decided to grow a beard out and try that. So that you got, I'm going to play a in this movie. I'm 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 supposed to play a guy named Jimmy, and I'm uh, actually uh, a cook in a diner that doesn't necessarily allow um, black people to eat in front, and I'm supposed to play a person who's angry about it, and I got to get them out of there. So it, um, it's definitely something different from who I am as a person, but, uh, for the movie, I think it's a great opportunity because it, um, it really dives into what happened to the three civil rights workers back in, uh, 1960s here in Mississippi. And, uh, and it sheds some light on how things were, you know, at the time, um, so that's a historical movie that, uh, that I'm going to get to be a part. But then I got another movie called uh, uh, The Dead Elvis Club, and I'm going to be playing either guitar or bass in, in a band in the 70s, and we were a rock band that happens to uh, become a backup band for an Elvis impersonator. So it's a lot of fun. I, Just a you know bunch what? of unique experiences, man, and it's 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 it. Each little, each thing builds a little piece inside you and, and, and adds to your completion as a human. And, and, you know, it's like you don't necessarily need to become a full-blown actor or anything. Uh, but, right. You I know, agree. You could dip your toe in that water and check it out and try it. Obviously, you've done that in a million different, you know, uh, ventures already. I, all this time, I see you, you. You're just practically hugging that guitar there, man. I. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, hope, I'm hoping at some point you're going to pick it up and play a little something for me. <laughs> right. I'm in a band called Sneaky Tree. I've been in this band since 93. Um, I began my tattoo journey so I can play music, uh, like I said before. And, uh, you know, to me, to me, really, everything's pointed about singing and writing and performing and uh, being on stage. And uh, I'm, I'm working on a record right now with um, – Aside from the one I did for uh, with my with my good friend Reggie Thomas for the soundtrack, um, I'm working on it now. I'm going to play a song for you here in a minute called Geronimo. And uh, to me, man, uh, that's all I really want to do. I really just want to sing and play music, man. But you know, I've built up these 
businesses and all that. And uh, life gets in the way. And now but I'm you're, a to- you're a storyteller. You're, 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 you're a storyteller. There's no other way around it. You know, maybe what? through, maybe through art, maybe through music, maybe through whatever, but you are, your character is a storyteller. That's Thanks, kind man. of obvious, man. I appreciate it. I, I decided that I've done a, I, I'm not going to quit tattooing. I'm going to tattoo until I can't see anymore. Then I'm just going to sign my name on people. <laughs> you know? yeah. But, uh, but I decided these next uh, 10 years that I'm going to, I'm going to put out as many songs as I can and, uh, you know, play, perform as much as I can. When I get done with this record, I'm, I'm going to go out. Uh, hopefully the world will get back to, back to normal. I'll go out and play uh, Sturgis. I'll go play Daytona and play Nashville and, wherever I can, I can get booked to play shows with. And, uh, you know, that's what I'm looking forward to now. I've done my time doing other things. I'm, I want to do what I felt like uh, I was meant to do, and that's to play music. So uh, I'm going to play a song for you called Geronimo. Uh, it's going to be on my new record when I, when it, whenever I finish that damn thing. But it, but it will be available. But uh, the song, song, all my songs I do tell stories or I talk about where I've been in life and all that or whatever, but um, this song is uh, about a guy, uh, he's a Cherokee, and uh, he, he was on a trail of tears, and uh, he lost his family on a trail of tears, he lost his wife and his son on a trail of tears, and then when he got to Oklahoma, he's like, I don't have any reason to be here, I have no family, um, I'm just going to drink alcohol and see the West, you know, I'm going to go find this guy, Geronimo, man, he's supposed to be, you know, a real Indian, you know, and whatever, you know, and maybe the timeline is not match with Geronimo, but that's not the point. So uh, he goes off um, on this anywhere journey, gets on a train, and uh, he gets down in Texas or somewhere like that and um, gets thrown off the train for being drunk and ends up being a hero. And then somehow goes to see his wife and kid. So I'm going to play that song for you. How about that? Sounds good, man. All right. Hi, my name is Spacey, and this song's called Geronimo. To catch myself a train I don't know where I'm going But I hope that I find them An eagle flies across the morning sky Headed towards the sun Where will my life lead me When I'm said and done I look to the east, to the Cherokee Where I lost it all I get off the train Thirsty again And I'm headed to the ceiling And walks a man With a gun in his 
Like a man. 
Mark, you got to unmute your claps. <laughs> All right. I, I think the streaming audio tweaked that a little bit. So we might want to see if you can uh, send us a recording of that. Maybe we'll uh, dub it over it. To, so it'll look like you're lip syncing. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll definitely do that for you. Okay. I'll do that yeah. when I get, when get done with the interview. I'll, I'll do that and send it right back to you. Awesome, man. Wow. Good time this morning, brother. I had a great time, man. Hey, you, and if y'all y'all come look me up, man. You know, I'm right here in Marie, Mississippi, but I'm also uh, I have a tattoo shop in Sturgis, South Dakota, named Rock and Roll Tattoo. Um, I'm about to close my shop down here in Meridian, and I want to be in a new location, which combines my bike shop, and I'm going to call it Rock and Roll Tattoo because I want to I want to do something different. I want to do something fun and different, and. Um, it's going to be an art space where we're going to have uh, we have um, an art gallery in there. Uh, we have a stage in there, so we'll have live performances. Um, we're also, um, as far as tattoos go, we have we're doing custom tattooing, of course, and then um, we do tattoo removal. Uh, we use the tattoo away method. Um, that's working out really well, uh, going hand in hand with uh, what we're doing. As far as tattooing goes, we have an eraser now. It's awesome. Um, but um, we're working on that. I'm hoping to be there by the beginning of the year. But uh, if you want to be a part of what we're doing, uh, look me up at Billy Spacing Lines on Facebook. I have a couple of accounts on there. You can reach out to me there. Uh, you can also uh, catch me on Instagram, which is probably my favorite. And uh, hey, man, I'm really glad to be here today. Thank you so much, Mark. And thank you so much for working with me all these years with uh, Needle Jig. I love Needle Jig. I, I really love the things you've done and the innovation and um, your passion for making tattooing much better. It's been a great positive thing in my life. And I want to formally thank you here right now for working well, thank with you, me. sir. I, I, you know, you, it's been a pleasure to know you all these years. And hopefully we got decades and decades more. And uh Someday when the world gets back to normal, I'd like to get down there and uh, check out this new spot you're working on, man. I would love that. I want to get, I, would, I definitely want to get more and uh, do more in the tattoo industry. I've, I've specifically avoided it after uh, a period of time. I quit going to conventions and all that. I just felt like uh, it wasn't the place for me to be at the time. But now, now I'd like to go out there and, I like to meet young people and see some old friends and, uh, you know, 
talk tattoos, man. Do some tattoos together. Let's, let's, let's yeah. do that. I- I mean, uh, conventions, you know, there's pros, there's cons, there's, uh, uh, but I don't get to make the rules. So the best I can do is, you know, I can make the best of it. I can go out there. I can enjoy myself. I can see my, can see my friends. I can make new friends. Uh, uh, I can get inspired by many other artists and, you know, hopefully maybe inspire a few myself. So that's what it's about, man. It's just, uh, uh, passing information on you know uh rick walters uh uh uh, yelled at me well not yelled at me but uh corrected me at one point uh years and years and years ago um he used to share secrets with me him catfish carl and a few others back in the day and and at one point uh, i was sitting there like oh man hey thanks 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 you know i don't worry your secret's safe with me and then uh, rick walters gave me this death stare that only rick can do and he looked at me and he's like you don't get it do you and i was like what he's like and he realized he was aging as as his whole generation was and uh, and he said we don't share this information with you so that it could die with you kind of yeah. my job to pass it on to the next group. So <laughs> that's what I enjoy nowadays, man. Is is uh, I only like to share it with those that I consider deserving people that take the business serious, you know, uh, they're not in the business for the wrong reasons, but when I meet those people, man, I'll share everything I can with them. All right. Well, you know what? Uh, I, I, I was going to say, you know, they're still out there. You got Judy Parker out there. Uh, she comes up to Sturgis. She runs a place up there. Judy Parker's still out there painting her little heart out. Yeah, and, uh, I've got a, I've got one of her paintings here from not that long ago myself, and uh, message what? her on Facebook regularly. So, yeah, I love Judy because back in the day when I was younger, she'd have all these. Remember the art fusion stuff? Mm-hmm. You know, she she loved to work with other artists and all that. You know, and she loved. I mean, she's a wonderful artist. Judy Parker is a is a wonderful artist and she's a wonderful person. Jackie Gresham, she's still out there. She's she just had a birthday. Happy birthday, Jackie. And uh she's still drawing. She's still we talk business, we talk game all the time. She's always, you know, it's the people are still out there and it's up to us or these young people, we're out here. Me and you, we're out here. You wanna you wanna learn something, talk to us, you know, reach out to us. You know, like you said, we don't want the secrets to die with us, you know. I didn't get my jaw broken. Uh, for nothing, man. I want to share my experiences and help young people. Um, not to uh, not to, to poke my head in, but you keep talking about Judy Parker and people trying to uh, be exp- uh, figure out. Wow, I'm glad I get to edit myself. Uh, Judy Parker's doing a paint jam with Guy Aitchison on the 13th at nine o'clock. That's open for for all the artists. So if uh, you want to paint alongside Judy Parker and Guy and friends, then that's the uh, yeah. That's a Two Sundays from now. Cool. Maybe we can get a link in the description below. That's technology at work because, you know, before (laughs) we had to travel to a tattoo convention to draw beside her, you know, an art fusion thing. Now you can do it on the internet. I mean, how can you not beat that? You know? Yeah. No, it's a, this whole, uh, this whole pandemic thing is definitely uh, forced people to think outside the box and to, you know, it's, it's, it's pushed technology forward a little faster than I think it normally would have moved at. You, yeah, know? you know, it's hard. To, it's still hard to get used to because I want to go, I want to go perform and, and do a concert. 
So better. Yeah, but, but think about this though. Like before all this, would we be doing video teleconferencing and, and streaming? No, we would still be doing things the old way. We'd be getting on planes, flying, seeing each other at shows, having yeah. telephone conversations. But I, I'm sorry, this is the Jetsons right now. We are we are freaking looking at each other live and talking to each other through technology. It's awesome. I think that we're going to keep on doing this. And then once we can start gathering in places again, it'll just be part of it. You know, yeah, this because isn't going anywhere. It's just a new tool in our box. That's all. Exactly. It is a new tool. It is, you know, but speaking of, you'll be able to use it again. Right. And it's always going to be there long after we're gone. My son reminded me, Hey dad, you know, the internet's going to live past us. Right. I was like, Oh man, you're right. So, you know, way after we're turned into another kind of organism, uh, there'll be pictures of us TikToking. <laughs> uh, not me, not me. You will not find me TikToking, man. I'm not a good dancer <laughs> like that. I can dance, but you know, that whole shuffling thing, man, it's mesmerizing. Oh, you I'm know? as white as it comes when it comes to dancing. I just, yeah. Yeah. I tell you what, though, uh, I would like to give a couple shout-outs here. I like first off, I like to say, uh, hey, to my Beautiful wife, uh, Crystal Cabello. She's down in Daytona right now visiting with my my family, our family down there um, with my, my son, Dakota Hawk. He's two. He's loving life. He's dancing his little butt off. And then uh, I'd like to give a shout out to uh, my master, uh, Jackie Gresham. Um, thank you so much again for all you've done for me. And, and thank you so much for uh, being not only um, my mentor, but my friend. And uh I like to shout out to uh, Famous Gabe down in uh, uh, Florida, uh, Hula Moon, uh, Dave Canoy, and Ink Spot Crew. And, uh, and that's basically it. You know, I could shout out all day long, but, but those right on, brother. help me get here. I appreciate no, it. You got to respect those. You know, it's family. Yep. Uh, Anaya Nieto and John Son, I like to give a shout out to him. Uh, thank you so much, my friend, for coming, uh, not only a friend, but a brother. And thank you for including me on uh, your, your dad's uh, life story. Thank you, Mark, for including me on this. I appreciate it very much. My pleasure, man. Thank you for joining. And you know, we did. We'll talk. Okay, <laughs> that's the official close. <laughs> <laughs>